Welcome to Biz Help For You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Worried About Paying for College? Learn Top Financial Aid Tips, Informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Michelle Malura offers her clients phenomenal resources, 18 years of real estate loan experience, creative financing solutions, competitive rates, and excellent service. Whether her clients are buying a home, refinancing, remodeling, or seeking debt consolidation, Michelle has the right loan program to meet their needs and goals. Michelle's commitment to each loan is simple. Understand each client's objective, deliver 100% on promises, and thoroughly educate each potential home buyer and homeowner. Michelle takes the confusion out of the process, giving clients the confidence to comfortably make major loan decisions. Michelle's passion for assessing her client's situation, listening to their dreams and financial goals, structuring the best plan, and delivering the ideal financing solution is what fuels her commitment to each and every client. Her greatest fulfillment comes from developing strong and lasting relationships with her clients and referral partners. A lifelong resident with deep roots in Palos Verdes, California, Michelle is always seeking ways to give back to her community. In her free time, Michelle enjoys horseback riding, playing tennis, paddle boarding, surfing, traveling, and quality time with her husband and four sons. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. I'm so glad to have you here. This is going to be a great topic with some helpful information for business owners and obviously other people that maybe are listening that aren't even business owners that want to learn about the topic of credit and how it applies. So first of all, can you just give us a little bit more information on your background and how you became involved in the loan industry? Oh, well, I got involved in the loan industry about 18 years ago, and it was just really born out of a passion for real estate and just um, being interested in the finance aspect of real estate. And, um, you know, it's been my passion for the last 18 years. I love what I do. And a big part of what I do is help people um, when I'm helping them obtain their mortgage is I've had to really educate myself on the credit reporting and their credit scores because it has such a huge impact on their ability to obtain credit. So it's an area that um, I've spent a lot of time working in and educating myself on for that reason. Right. Well, and it's so important for people to really understand how the credit does impact, you know, their ability to get a loan and the interest that they'll be paying and all of that. So I'm glad we're discussing that today. So the first question then to discuss is what is a credit score and why does it matter? So a cre- your credit score is a three-digit number 
that is generated through a mathematical algorithm. And we typically look at three bureaus. We have three main bureaus, uh, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And basically, they, um, through this mathematical algorithm, generate a score for you that helps creditors understand how to predict risk for you as a borrower. So it allows them to see what your spending habits are, your repayment habits, how you use credit. And it's basically a very important part of what um, most creditors use to determine your credit worthiness, uh, what interest rates they're going to offer you, what terms uh, of the loan they're going to offer you. And as a matter of fact, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, your credit score is often used also for employment applications. A lot of jobs uh, look at your credit score to determine whether or not you would make for a good employee in that role. Right. And in some states, that's really not allowed unless it's very particular to their position. But there are a lot, I'm sure, that still, you know, are looking at that information to see, like, if you're doing a good job managing your finances, then you probably will do a good job in your position at work, right? Correct. So a lot of the licensing professionals, finance professionals, uh, I've seen it a lot in uh, county employees, they will check your credit because, um you know, they feel like it is a predictor of how good of a steward you're going to be with the resources that you have access to in your employment as well. Right. Exactly. So I know there's a lot of myths out there of what, you know, does impact a score. So can you actually give us the truth about what factors impact a person's credit score? Absolutely. There are four main things that impact your credit score, but two of them, I would say, are probably the most heavily weighted. Uh, One of them being your repayment habits. So the most important thing you can do to elevate your credit score or maintain good credit is to pay all your bills on time. Um, Any type of late payment that gets reported to the bureaus against you is going to significantly and negatively impact your credit score. So The way you repay your debt is one of the most crucial things that impact your score. The second most critical item I would say that weighs on your credit score is your use of your credit. And what I mean by that is how much of your credit you're using. So they look at the percentage of your balances to your credit limit. So if you Mm -hmm. had a credit card, for example, that you had a $1,000 credit limit on and you every month were maxing it out and charging $1,000 on that card, that would actually be a negative reflection on your credit score. But if you maintain a more conservative balance on that card, um, we like to see typically under 30%. So if you maintained a balance of $300 or less month to month on that credit card, that would positively impact your credit score. So that's another really big one that weighs heavily on your credit score. Um, The other thing they look at is the type of credit you carry. So they do like to see a mix of credit. Um, Typically, the credit bureaus look favorably on having at least some installment loan, which means that's like a car loan or a boat loan or a home mortgage. It's basically a loan 
that has a set payment every month for a set period of time. And at the end of that period of time, that debt will be paid off. So that's, that's considered an installment loan. Um, and so they like to see that you have at least one installment loan and then the rest can be what we call revolving credit, which are your credit card type of, uh, credit lines. Um, and then lastly, Length of time of your trade lines can also help your credit score. So having credit cards or or things such as that that you've had for many, many years will weigh favorably on your credit score. So one of the things I tell clients is a lot of clients will pay off a credit card that they've had for 10 or 12 years, and their their, um, instinct is to close the credit card. Um, Mm -hmm. And I hear that all the time from my clients. I paid off my card and I closed it. That's actually not really serving you from a credit score standpoint. You'd be better off. What I tell my clients is if you don't want to be tempted to use it, you'd be better off, you know, tearing up the card or locking it in a safe so you don't have it handy to not use it, but leaving it open because that establishes a longer history and they actually like to see that. Right. Well, one thought as you were talking about that was when you're saying, you know, paying on time. And if someone is just saying, I don't have, you know, enough to really make a payment, would you suggest, even if it's not the minimum payment, I would still think they should make anything that they can make, even if it's less than the minimum, just to get another payment in there. But would that still help in that way? Are they still going to be hurt by, you know, making a payment, but it's not the minimum? What would you recommend to someone in that position? So somebody in that position, I, I would recommend the following. I like where you're going with make some kind of payment instead of nothing, and I agree with that. But I would take it one step further. I would recommend they contact that creditor and explain to them if they're having a financial hardship or what's going on in that particular moment that they can't make their minimum payment due. And a lot of times, if you communicate that to a creditor, they will work something out with you. And so when they receive that lower payment that doesn't quite meet the minimum required payment that they had told you you should pay, they aren't going to necessarily report you as late because they'll know that you contacted them, that you made an agreement. So that is my recommendation for somebody in that situation is to contact the creditor, be transparent about what's going on, and work something out so that they don't report you late. Because that's Mm -hmm. really what's going to hurt your credit is if somebody reports you late. And they will. If you don't make the minimum payment due and you don't contact them and come to an agreement with them, they will typically report you late even if you made a partial payment. Right. Okay. So since we're kind of talking about a few things that can be done to help, what else can someone do besides, you know, contacting that person to improve or maintain their credit score? Somebody that doesn't, I'm so sorry, can you repeat that question? So, so let's say, you know, they know that they're kind of struggling, right? So other than the fact that they just reached out to, you know, one of the creditors and said, I'm not having the ability, you know, to meet that. Um, what else can someone do to improve their score? Or if someone has a great score, but they want to maintain it, like what are some tips you would offer? Well, the main thing, the, the two strongest tips I can offer to maintain or improve your credit score is, number one, to net 
work a late payment. That one 30-day late payment on like a credit card can drop your score, you know, 50 to 70 points overnight. Mm -hmm. So it's so important not to have any late payments. That's the number one thing. The second thing is the, the tip I gave previously, which is managing how much you're charging on each credit card. So the credit bureaus do not look at your total credit limit as a whole and then look at all your debt as a whole. They actually look at each individual trade line on its own. So you mm-hmm. want to really make sure that you're not maxing out a particular credit card over and over again, and then you've got other cards that maybe you're not using. So a lot of times what I'll recommend to my clients when I notice that they have that pattern is that they you know, spread the debt across a few different cards so that they're not maxing out any one card. And what a lot of people are surprised to learn, I hear this all the time from clients, is my clients will say to me, well, I pay my credit card off in full every month. So I max it out, but I always pay it off in full every month. And what I explain to my clients is each trade line has to report to the bureaus once every 60 days. But it's not a set date that they report. So they're not going to necessarily report your balance to the bureau right after you paid it off. They might report to the bureau what your balance was on that trade line right before you pay it off. So Mm -hmm. the bureau is getting a reporting that you've maxed out that credit card, even though maybe the very next day you paid it off in full. They won't know about that because each trade line only has to send the bureau's updated information about your habits once every 60 days. So I've, I've, that's something that I'm constantly um, educating my clients on, and they're always very surprised to hear that. They think that the credit bureaus are only getting reported to after they make their payments, and it's not the case. It's totally random. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that makes sense, too, because people's credit cards close at different dates. So they're not going to look at every customer and say, oh, well, they close on the 5th, so we'll report after the 5th, right? If they just report on exactly. a certain day, everybody, someone might have just paid their bill and someone might be close to closing. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And again, back to the point that you had said before as well is don't close an old a credit card because then let's say that was a $5,000 limit and you close it. Now your available credit just drops 5,000. So it looks like you're using more, you know, even though the right. amount is the same, it looks like you're using more as a percentage of your total available. Exactly. And the other thing that I run into a lot with my clients that they also don't realize is hurting them because it, credit reporting and credit scores are not very intuitive. It's, it's like you can't just always apply logic to mm-hmm. imagining what things are going to impact your score. It's, it's, it's just, it's its own unique system. So one of the things that a lot of my clients will tell me is I'll notice when I run their credit that um, like one car loan is totally high and then all their other car loans are paid off or one credit card is maxed out, like I said before, and then they've got three or four other credit cards with zero balances, and I'll ask them about, you know, that. And they'll say to me, oh, well, you know, this company offered me zero interest for a year if I transferred all my balances to this other card. 
so they take advantage of that opportunity and they transfer all their credit card balances or I've had clients transfer all their car loan balances to one new card. But -hmm. what they don't realize is that that's going to negatively impact their credit score because now they've got all these cards that are paid to zero or potentially that they may have even closed and um, now they've got one credit card that's completely maxed out. And so that's actually going to hurt their credit score. And, you know, you just have to understand where you are in your life. If you're not intending to apply for any debt anytime soon, then maybe you're okay with that and you want to take advantage of that zero interest credit card for a while. Um, But if you're somebody that is thinking about applying for a business loan or a car loan, or a credit card, or a home loan, whatever it might be, a line of credit, that credit score decreasing because of what you did with that transfer of balances might actually end up costing you more in interest Mm -hmm. because you're going to get a higher interest rate, less favorable terms on that loan than if you would have kept your debt the way you had it. Does that make right. sense? So it's important to think through all of that before you do that. So, but uh, believe it or not, it's actually time to take a break. This time has gone by so quickly. Uh, but when we come back, we'll continue to chat with Michelle about credit scores. And if you have questions, you'll be able to call in a bit later in the show. Write down the number 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790 and be ready to call in when you hear the phone lines are open. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, 
business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Biz Help for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help for You. Welcome back to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Michelle Malura told us about her background and how she got into assisting people with loans. Now let's learn how the credit scores can impact the ability to be funded for a loan. So, Michelle, how does the credit score impact the ability to obtain credit either personally or professionally? Well, the credit score has a huge impact on your ability to obtain credit personally and professionally. So whether you're applying for a personal loan, whether it be a car loan, a credit card, a mortgage, they're going to look at your credit score. And your credit score, it's actually one of the main guidelines that lenders look at. So um, for a lot of companies, if you don't meet a certain minimum credit score requirement, that alone can make you totally ineligible to obtain that credit. So it can it can totally make obtaining credit impossible if you don't have a good enough credit score that meets the minimum requirement. Now, if you do have a score that meets the minimum requirement, it's still going to impact you because what banks do is it's kind of on a scale. So if you have a particular credit score, it's going to impact the interest rate that you get offered. So the higher your credit score is, you are going to be offered a lower interest rate on that credit versus, you know, inversely, the lower your credit score is, you fall into a different category that you still may be eligible to obtain the credit, but you're now going to make, obtain potentially a quarter percent higher in interest rate or a half a percent higher in interest rate just because your credit score is not as strong as somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and it, it makes sense it because they are you, paying for the risk. Exactly. Interest rates are always reflect are always a reflection of the perceived risk by the creditor. So mm-hmm. depending on what you're applying for and the FICO score or the credit score being one of those things they look at to predict risk is going to be a direct, it's going to be directly reflected in in your interest rate. So the higher your credit score, you're basically telling the creditor that you are a very low risk to that creditor, that you are going to make your payments on time, that you are going to pay back the debt you owe, that you are going to be responsible. And um, so therefore, they offer you a lower interest rate. But when your credit score is low, it's typically because you haven't done as great of a job. Your habits in the past haven't been as favorable in how you manage your debt and how you use credit. And so they are going to give you an interest rate that reflects that higher risk that you're perceived to have. Mm-hmm. 
That makes perfect sense. You know, at least for me in the finance world, right? That makes perfect sense to me. Maybe not what is desirable, but it, you know, at least it's logical. Uh, so then what ways does the credit score impact the type of personal or business loans that are actually offered? Um, so it's going to impact personal or business loans the same way. And again, it just goes back to the interest rate you're going to be offered. It's also going to impact the, how can I put this? So for example, I'm going to speak on mortgages particularly because it's the area I'm most familiar with. If you are trying to get a loan to buy a home, let's say, for example, if you have a 700 credit score or higher, a lender might allow you to buy that home with only 10% down versus if you don't have a 700 credit score or higher, say you have a 660 credit score, they may require you to put 15% down or Mm -hmm. 20% down. So not only are you going to take a higher interest rate, but you may be required to put a bigger payment. Mm -hmm. Or in the the mortgage world, um, there's different types of loan programs, like one loan program that a lot of people like has an interest-only payment option on it. And that program, for example, you have to have a minimum credit score to even be eligible to have an interest-only payment option. So for some people, if their credit scores are too low, they may not even be able to apply for that type of mortgage. They might only be able to apply for a mortgage that requires a fully amortized payment each month. So it can really impact a lot of things about the kind of debt you receive. It'll, it can impact the rate and then the terms of the loan, which would incorporate how, you know, how high they'll go to as far as a loan to value, um, what kind of repayment terms they'll offer you. And the same goes for business owners. When you own a business, they are still almost always going to look at your personal credit as well. So if you have a small business, if you're a small business owner and you're operating as a DBA, a Schedule C business owner, an S-Corp, they're most definitely going to look at your personal credit when you're applying for business loans. Um, If you have a corporation, then they're going to look at both the financial health of the corporation, and that's a totally different report generated through Dun & Bradstreet, but that looks at the financial health of the corporation. But there's still, most people are still going to want to see the personal credit of the ownership as well in looking at um, business debt. So your personal credit score really gets looked at, you know, whether it's a personal loan or a business loan, they're going to take it into consideration. And, and like I mentioned, an area that a lot of people don't even think about is the employment area where, you know, there are quite a few employers that um, do look at your personal credit score in evaluating you as a potential employee. SBA mm-hmm. loans will look at your personal credit score. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it impacts you across the board. So how long would it take then for, like, a negative credit reporting to disappear off of someone's record? 
So most negative credit reportings will stay on your credit report for seven years. There are two things that stay on your credit report for 10 years, and that is a bankruptcy or a tax lien. Everything Mm. else will fall off your credit report after seven years. And that's if you're just that's if you're just allowing it to organically disappear, meaning you agree that it's correct and true, the negative reporting that was reported, so you're not disputing it or trying to get it removed through other means, but you are just waiting for it to naturally fall off. So pretty much everything will fall off after seven years except for the bankruptcy or a tax lien. Mm-hmm. And you were just mentioning, like, if you're going to say, yes, this is really true, and you're just going to let it happen. Um, but then what does someone do if they think that there's something that's wrongfully reported against their credit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and a lot of people call and ask about this. So if you feel that something has been wrongfully reported on your credit report, first of all, you have to ask yourself, is this identity theft? If you Mm. believe you've been a victim of identity theft, meaning an example of that would be somebody runs your credit and there's like four credit cards that you don't recognize that have recently been opened under your social security number, that would be a big red flag that potentially you've been a victim of identity theft. So, um, or you start getting, you know, calls from a collection agency for something that you didn't purchase. Um, Those are all usually indicators that you might be a victim of identity theft. So if you believe you've been a victim of identity theft, the first thing you're going to want to do is file a police report. And um, once you have a police report, you're going to want to contact all of the credit bureaus, uh, like I mentioned earlier, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, and send them a copy of the police report and let them know that you've been a victim of identity theft. And then you're going to want to go over with them all the trade lines, which ones do not belong to you. And generally speaking, if you have a police report and you can prove that you have truly been a victim of identity theft, the credit bureaus will work with you to omit any um, you know, wrongful reportings that don't truly belong to you. So, so that's one very specific path. But for the most part, let's say you're not a victim of identity theft, but somebody runs your credit and, or you check your own credit score and you notice it's dropped significantly and you realize that there's been a 30-day late payment reported or a collection, you know, a collection reported against you or something and you don't believe it's accurate. Um, you, know, you can go about it a couple of different ways. One way is on your own you would want to contact the creditor that's reporting erroneously against you and address it with them. And sometimes there can be an honest mistake, and after speaking to them, they will delete that negative reporting off your report. They will contact the credit bureaus on your behalf and let them know that they've made an error and that they need to delete the reporting against you. Um, But if you cannot get them to resolve it with you over the phone. It sounds like we're losing Michelle. So I think we're going to see if we can bring her back. Um, 
in the meantime, she was just talking about things that you can continue to do to uh, reach out and get those corrected. So hopefully I'll be sharing information that I think she would be sharing uh, until we can get her back. But obviously reach out to those who have reported uh, the false information and check with them to see who's been reporting you and what you can do to get that information corrected. Uh, If there's kind of a dispute on that, you may need to go back to the original uh, person who's reporting and talk with them. But uh, Michelle, do we have you back? Yes. Okay, great. So we were talking, I was just trying to fill in while we got you back, your phone was going out there for a minute. Um, So you were just going over the last few things that people could do if anything's been wrongfully reported. So if you could go back maybe the last minute of what you were sharing, that would be great. Yeah, so um, what I was saying is if they believe something's been wrongfully reported, they would want to address it directly with the creditor that reported against them and see if they can't resolve it, you know, via a phone call or in writing, however that creditor allows you to contact them. And if you can come to a resolution with them over the phone, as an example, then typically they will contact the bureaus for you pretty swiftly and have that negative reporting deleted off of your credit. However, what I find is, generally speaking, that sounds easier than it actually is to execute and a lot of people are unable to get through to somebody that can help them or the creditor kind of stands by their reporting that you had a late or whatever it was. So in that case, if they will not help you at the creditor level, you have the ability to file a dispute with the credit bureaus. And basically, you would submit a dispute letter to all three bureaus, letting them know that you believe that the reporting against you by that creditor was done in error. And what happens is, at that point, the credit bureaus will reach out to that creditor on your behalf and let them know that you're disputing the reporting. And the creditor has 30 days to respond to the credit bureaus. If they don't respond to the credit bureaus within that 30-day time period, then the credit bureaus have to delete that negative reporting. If they weren't able to substantiate were in fact late or whatever the negative reporting was. And if they do respond within the 30 days substantiating their reporting, then they will leave that negative reporting on your credit report. So... Um, That is one way that a consumer can, on their own, try to resolve a negative reporting that they don't believe is accurate. The other way that you can go about it is by hiring a professional company. So there are companies that help consumers basically dispute and, and fix their credit reports so that they are reporting more accurately. And so that would be another more aggressive approach if somebody feels like they're not making any headway on their own or they're just not getting responses and it's, it's too difficult for them to manage on their own. There are companies that can actually help you. Oh, okay. That's great information as well. And I'm sure you would have resources to give to them too if anyone reached out to you. Um, it's actually I almost I have time. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I do have a company that I like to refer my clients to. It's a company I've worked with for many, many years, and I trust them, and they, they do a great job. So if anybody needs that information, I'm happy to share it. Perfect. I know someone also in the industry, I'd be happy to share resources as well. Um, But actually, I was going to say it's actually time for another quick break. Um, Be sure to hang around to hear more from Michelle Muller about the impact of the credit scores on loan approval. If you have a question, please call 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to BizHelp for You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to BizHelp for You. Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Are there any questions? You can call in 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. And we do have a call. So, Aaron from Tempe, why don't you let us know your question? Hi, yes. I'm just calling in. Great information you have on the show. Um, I was wondering, I've been hearing a lot about how, you know, they say that it's bad for you to pay your full uh, credit or whatever credit you have back to pay it in full. It's actually bad versus, you know, paying it partially. And I'm just a little, just kind of want to get a little bit more clarification on how that might actually work. That's a great question. Michelle, what would you suggest? 
Yeah, that is a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. So what I recommend to my clients is instead of paying off your credit card balance in full, is to leave a small balance, like maybe a $100 balance or a $50 balance, and to make the minimum payment on that balance every month. Because what helps bolster your credit score is the bureaus actually being able to watch your pattern of behavior. So I've actually had instances where people will pay all their credit cards off and their credit score actually doesn't improve as much as it could have improved if they would have paid the majority of the debt off but left a small balance because the bureaus actually gain a lot of information from being able to watch your behavior. So it helps you to show that pattern of keeping a small balance to your credit limit availability, showing that you are a good steward of managing your credit availability, and then showing that pattern of making your payment every month on time. So um, that is a recommendation I give my credits. Uh, I give my clients actually. I have a secondary question to that then too. So would that be your recommendation? Obviously, I would think someone who's young, just starting out, or maybe someone that needs to improve their credit score. But if someone already has an excellent credit score and they just don't want to pay interest, right, there's probably not a huge benefit then I would think for having to keep that balance. So is this more someone who wants to improve or someone who wants to build credit? Or are you recommending that kind of across the board? I'm actually recommending that across the board. If you believe you're somebody that is going to be wanting to obtain credit at some point in the future. So if you're somebody that has no debt, you don't ever intend to need to get a loan for any reason whatsoever, then of course not. Don't pay interest on debt that you don't need to Mm -hmm. pay interest on. But what I've actually seen, I've had clients come to me for mortgages where, and rightfully so, they're so proud, they tell me, I don't have any debt, I pay everything cash, zero balances on all my cards, well then I go to, but now they want a mortgage, they want to buy a home, or they want to refinance, and so I go and I run their credit, and the bureaus actually are unable to generate a credit score for them, because there's no ability for the bureaus to watch their behavior. There's mm-hmm. nothing for them to go there's no on. History. So actually, there's no history. So it'll actually say, due to lack of history for this borrower, we are unable to assign them a credit score. And so in that circumstance, it's very difficult to obtain a mortgage at that point. So I have actually had to tell some of my clients that have done that, that I actually need them to start using their cards. Mm -hmm. They start generating history that can be reported with the bureaus. So if, again, if you think at some point in time you might want to apply for credit, you definitely want to be using credit. And in that case, you know, if somebody is, I would say, 
you can get a great interest rate on most credit having a solid credit score over 700. So Mm -hmm. unless you have a personal mission to obtain the highest score you can possibly obtain, you can just use your credit cards and pay them off in full and not pay any interest on the debt. And if you're doing that, if you're using a variety of cards, three to four different trade lines on a regular basis, paying off the debt in full every month, you will have a very healthy credit score. But if you are somebody that's trying to work on improving your credit and get your score up, then you would be better off maintaining a small balance because that's going to give the bureaus a better pattern to report on, and it it will actually help your score more. So it really depends, Candy, on what your your objective is, what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Makes sense. Right. Like I said, you know, I knew, especially let's say someone who's leaving college who maybe has their student loan, you know, leave it open for a while. Like you said, the installment you have before, leave it open for a while to start building your credit and show that you can manage it and pay it off on time and things like that, too. Um, But yeah, it's just great information. So yeah, student loans are great loans mm -hmm. that report on your credit. You know, car loans, Mm -hmm. boat loans, you know, revolving charge cards. I get a lot of clients that come to me that want to buy a home and they don't have a credit score because they have no credit, you know, because they are young. Going off of the example you're giving, maybe they're recently out of college, so they don't have a lot of credit yet that they've been able to obtain. Um, So what I'll recommend to them is to go out and open a few credit cards, maybe three credit cards. And if they can get an installment loan, if they need one, like a car loan or something or a car lease, um, that would be good too for that mix that they like to see. But what I'll basically advise them to do is to use their credit card every month, even if it's, you know, sometimes I'll give them ideas like I'll say, you know, open up a a gas card and just use Mm -hmm. that card to get your gas every month and then pay it off in full so you don't pay any interest if you're trying to avoid paying interest. But create a pattern where you're using your card responsibly and then paying it on time. And within six months, generally speaking, those people will now have a very healthy credit score that we can use for them to obtain a mortgage loan or whatever other type of financing they're seeking. Right. So obviously one of the tips I would like to offer anyone too is if they're thinking of getting a loan, sit down with someone like you who can really look at what's happening and help them plan what changes need to occur so that they can get the loan that they really want and not when they need the loan and find out, you know, your credit has some issues. Correct. I always, you know, one of the comments I get from clients when they call me is they'll say, well, I'm not really looking to buy a home for maybe one or two years. You know, when should I call you? And what I tell, my, my answer is the same every time. It's never too soon to talk to a professional because time is a wonderful thing. So if I get somebody that comes to me and they're not really going to buy for a year, that gives us a year to work on their credit if we need to. So mm-hmm. I've had it happen many, many times where somebody comes to me and they'll say, well, when should I get started on my you know, loan application or having you review my credit income and assets. And I'll say, the minute you're even thinking about becoming a homeowner, it's even an idea or a curiosity 
in your mind, you should talk to a professional because time is on our side in that case. There are times where I have clients come to me for a mortgage and they're already in escrow. They've already made an offer on a home and gotten acceptance or, you know, they want to buy a home next month. And at that point in time, we don't really have a lot of time to improve their credit if there are things that we might have wanted to do to get them a lower interest rate or a better loan term. So the more time we have to work on those things, we can really put our clients in an ideal scenario, whether it, it means they need to build up more credit and go and open more cards or they need to work on paying off some of their credit card debt because they have too many cards that are maxed out and that's what's hurting their score. Time is always a wonderful thing that allows us to improve their credit score to put them in the best situation possible when they're ready to obtain right. financing. Well, one thing I just was thinking of uh, also maybe having you touch on quickly, uh, I know you work with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs as well who want to get loans, whether, you know, buying their home, a mortgage or things like that too. Um, but from an entrepreneur's perspective, what documents would you need from them that they would have to submit to show their business income or things like that as well? Because you'll look at credit score, but you'll need their, you know, income and things too. So what could you suggest for the entrepreneur to prepare for that? Yeah, so when an entrepreneurs, this is, this is a great question too because a lot of times um, it's harder for them. You know, we need more documentation from them and, and it's great for them to know what to be prepared to give so that they can keep good records and good files of everything. So for entrepreneurs, we're going to need their two most recent years of personal tax returns And then if they own 25% or more of a business entity, whether it be an LLC or an S-Corp or a C-Corp, we're also going to need two years of the business tax returns. Now, if they own less than 25%, typically we'll just need to see their K-1s from that they received from the corporation for their portion of the income that was distributed to them. Um, We're also going to need to see two months' most recent bank statements, and I'll run their credit report, so that's something that I just do, but they will authorize me to do so. And uh, if they receive pay stubs, regular pay stubs, we'll want to see the most recent 30 days of their pay stubs. Oftentimes, for small business owners, they don't actually pay themselves a regular Mm -hmm. paycheck, and that's okay. I get this question a lot, so that's okay. In those cases, we're just going to look at their tax returns and we're going to look at their distributions that they've given themselves over the you know year to date and over the last couple years. And in that case, we will, generally speaking, need a letter from their accountant or CPA that states that they do not pay themselves regular pay stubs, but they just take owner distributions at random. So just something Perfect. kind of verifying that that's how they manage their pay. Great. Um, well, we're actually at the end of the show. So I want to have you just, uh, if you have an offer quickly, you want to share and how people can connect with you if they want to reach out to you. Absolutely. So the best way to reach out to me is either via email or calling 
me. So my email is mmalura, that's M-M-O-L-L-U-R-A at rpm-mtg.com. And they can also reach me at my office line, which is area code 310-303-3401. And that's my direct line. And then um, for anybody that wants to learn more about my services or read my testimonials or anything like that, you can visit my website, which is www rpm-mtg.com forward slash M-M-O-L-L-U-R-A. Perfect. Um, And I'm happy if anybody would like me to pre-approve them for a home purchase or an investment property purchase or already owns real estate and wants a free analysis of their current debt to see if they could get into better debt, I'm happy to do that for anybody. Um, and part of that analysis is we run credit and we review credit together. And I also can give them suggestions if there's some things that I'm seeing on the credit that they could be doing a little differently to improve their score. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being my guest today. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about how credit scores impact the approval of loans. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Michelle at any of the links she shared or send us a message at media at abnp.com. And of course, if you have any trouble managing your finances and need some help with that, reach out to us here as well. We're happy to help you. Next week's topic, understanding the technology needs of your business. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and my website, www.abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on www.voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week. 